Hey everyone, so you'll notice that uh, this intro is a bit different than uh, some of the other episodes. Uh, reason why is uh, I noticed that as I was recording with our guest this week, I completely skipped over introduction. Uh, my introduction, I went right into introducing our speaker. I guess I was overly eager and excited, but uh, my name is Dr. Eluterio Blanco Jr. I am a uh, faculty with the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, and I teach in the Addiction Studies program. I'm also the chair of the TAP Student Slash Workforce Development Committee, and that's enough about me. So that's my info. Let's go right into our guest. Hi, everyone. This is the next episode in TAP Talk, and I'm very, very pleased to have our guest today. Um, her name is, is Paula Heller Garland. I'm going to let her introduce herself. But uh, this is a continuation in our podcast, you know, specifically aimed at students. And Miss Garland is going to speak about success. For those of you who might be considering applying to a graduate school, you know, uh, what goes into success and how you can succeed, how you can uh, jump from an undergraduate degree to a graduate degree. But I'm going to go ahead and start off by, she doesn't know I'm going to do this. So Paula's on, <laughs> she doesn't know that I'm going to, I usually like to introduce people based on, you know, the first few times I've met them. And if I can remember correctly, Paula, I I remember this was, well, for me, it was very memorable because 2014 was when I was um, elected to the TAP board. It was my first time being nominated, first time elected onto the board. I had no idea what I was in for. Um, I started attending the TAP board meetings as I was concurrently like a new member to TAP. And uh, you were my president. You were my first TAP president. And I think that's when you began serving your term as the TAP president in 2014. So that's how I got to know you. And that's how I got to know everyone at TAP. But specifically, that's how you stood out to me because you were the, serving as the president at that time. Uh, so Besides being a former president of TAP, uh, what else? Yeah, what else do you want to uh, mention about yourself? Well, right, right now, and and for the last ten years, I'm a, a senior lecturer and the program coordinator of addiction studies at the University of North Texas in Denton. That's mm -hmm. my primary gig. Yeah, you're an LCDC as well. I am an LCDC. Yes, I am. How many, how many, I have a I have a master's degree in addiction study in addiction counseling, and I have been in the profession because uh, prior to working at UNT, I worked in the treatment industry and or treatment field, and I was, uh, gosh, it's been almost thirty years that wow. I've been in the field. Right on, right on. So, you're also. My counterpart in the way I do at UTRGV is full-time faculty and program coordinator of addiction studies. You're up there in North Texas on the other side of Texas. So um, that's our connection. I mean, we're, we're counterparts. We oversee these undergraduate programs, um, and which is going to play a big part into what we're going to discuss today. So oh, before we get into that also, Paul, I mean, so that's some of your brief history. I know you got a, you've got a lot more that we can add, but when did you first hear about TAP? When was your first experience? at TAP, at the conference, or, or just being involved with TAP? Yeah, it was about 20 years ago, and I'll tell you what, if I've been in the field 
almost 30 years and I only learned about TAP 20 years ago, what I'm so excited about is that you have a podcast that's aimed at students, which means they already know about TAP and that's amazing to know that, you know, at the beginning of your career. Uh, so it was about 20 years ago, a friend of mine, a colleague, uh, someone I had started out my career with, uh, who was an intern at the same time as me, we had gone on to different places and she just looked me up and said, hey, I'm a member of this TAP thing and uh, they're having a conference and I hope I want you to present. And this was back when the conference was in Corpus Christi. It has moved since then. So I presented and I didn't understand at that time that I, there's more to TAP than just that yearly conference. So when we came back, she said, hey, come to another TAP meeting. And I was like, oh, is there another conference? She said, and she explained, no, that many of the TAP chapters around the state get together monthly. So I started going to the Dallas monthly meetings and just really enjoyed right. that networking and getting to know other people because sometimes I think we get so isolated in the profession that we don't really get out and see who else is out there. And I also noticed at those meetings, people were always um, announcing job uh, potential and, it, you know, like I'm looking for a practicum student, I'm looking for a, you know, an intern and, and all these things. And I thought that was splendid. And then mm -hmm. from there, they asked if um, I could help revive uh, the Dallas TAP conference, which hadn't occurred in a while. And I was eager to do that. So um, me and another fellow got together and we, uh, we uh, coordinated a conference to start in Dallas. And uh, we did that for a couple of years in a row. Then I became, I, I, I um, joined the TAP board there in Dallas, became president and at the end of my tenure as president for Dallas TAP, I then uh, joined the uh, TAP State Board as right. secretary, and then was elected president sometime, in, in, you know, down the line where, where mm -hmm. I met you, and um, served six years there as president, uh, president-elect, and past president, right. and uh, just being a member of TAP changed my career. I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. And I'm not just saying that because this is a tap related podcast. But mm -hmm. really, my just what I knew about the profession expanded the education I had about the profession expanded, and the people I knew in the profession expanded, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we're a there are a lot of programs around the state, but we're kind of a small community, right. you know, and I am so excited that I know so many of the community members just, and it's been through TAP that that, right. that happened, which led me to a lot of great job opportunities. Yeah, I, I kind of related, this might be kind of dramatic, but I kind of related to the Wizard of Oz, you know, when everything is black and white at the beginning, because I used to, I mean, I'm kind of like you, I was late to the party. I was working like 10 years, Oh no, not, not 10 years, nine years almost just clinically just working doing my job going home that kind of stuff and then after i found out about tap i joined tap i became involved and i, I and i'm not just saying this because you're on but like seeing yourself the president the leaders i i feel like the leaders in our profession throughout the state working together behind the scenes that's kind of when it goes from black and white to color and i kind of mm -hmm. realized more it's not just a job it's a profession like this is what keeps our profession going this is this is what i wanted to be a part of so 
Yeah, I, absolutely. I and that's so hard to put into words when people ask mm -hmm. me, like, why should I join TAP? You know, what do I get? Like, well, yeah. there are some things that you physically, you know, that you can put your hands on that, that mm -hmm. are tangible. But that piece of it, that's hard to put, you know, into a, a benefit. Uh, yeah. But it is the most important one I've ever experienced from being a member of TAP. Yeah. So, again, professional growth, which I kind of want to lead have that lead us to talk about student growth. And so look, probably not everyone listening is interested in graduate school. I get it. I completely mm -hmm. get it. I'll share this with, with myself. I share this with my students. When I finished my bachelor's degree, I was done with school. I didn't, I was done. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go back. I know I had a lot of classmates talking about graduate programs, this and that. I didn't want to hear any of it. I was done. I, I was so, I wouldn't call it burned out, but I was just done with school. Um, mm -hmm. I just wanted my bachelor's degree. I wanted to go out there. I wanted to start working. I wanted to start counseling. Um, and then about a year and a half or so into it, I came to the, you know, I could probably get better at this. And that's when I got into graduate school. And then, but so some students right now, you know, it's not for everyone. Graduate school, sure. It's a big commitment. Um, don't rush into it if you're not ready for it. That's what I tell everyone, you know. If you feel two ways about it, yeah, I, I didn't. I started in. I apologize. No, I started ahead. in the field with only an associate's degree, and I never thought about. I didn't love school, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, when I was in high school and stuff. I didn't love school, but I did really well in the associate's uh, program just because the content was what I just loved: the counseling yeah. and addiction. And I didn't intend to even finish a bachelor's degree, but as I progressed in the field. I saw that so many more opportunities would open up to me if I would pursue higher education and um, even like speaking at conferences, which I love mm -hmm. to do, the, uh, you know, being accepted, the rate of acceptance went up dramatically when I advanced my education. Yeah. It, it, I, and, you know, maybe it shouldn't have to be that way where we, you know, have show a degree to, to demonstrate our knowledge in an area, but uh, it, just so many opportunities, administrative opportunities, you know, yeah. uh, directing programs, being asked to do things I didn't even seek, you know, mm -hmm. just education just kind of confirms and strengthens that, that we do have an expertise in a particular field. Where'd you get your associates? Um, McLennan Community College, you know, where Jamie Schmidt teaches now in yeah. Waco. There you go. I was going to give yeah. you an opportunity to shout out anyone, any mentors past uh, from your oh associate, bachelor, yeah. anyone else you want to bring up? Because that's really, I mean, uh, we hope, you and I are educators, we hope we inspire some students as, as we were inspired also. I, I absolutely, mm. and it's amazing whenever I hear back from students that say, mm -hmm. hey, I don't know if you remember me, and like, I remember you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I always remember the students, and, and it's so exciting to hear from them and t telling me like, hey, I'm the, I'm, I'm the director of this program over here, and we're looking for students, uh, you know, practicum. I absolutely yeah. just, I get chills when I, when I see that happening. So what, the, so Again, like me, I'm, I'm completely committed to students if they want to pursue the profession, if they want to go on to other things also. But what have you seen, Paula? Because I, you're tied into UNT, you're tied into many students who complete their undergraduate in addiction studies, rehabilitation, move on to graduate school in rehabilitation also, rehabilitation mm -hmm. counseling. And what tip, what do you have, well, what characteristics do you see in the students who 
complete their undergraduate in addictions and then want to move on to something else, something like, this is, you know, usually something on an LPC track. Mm -hmm. Most of the students I see most successful, they present professionally and oh, continue yeah. their professional development and readiness while in school, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, to be in graduate school, this may not be true of everywhere, but I think one has to enjoy or be willing to suck it up <laughs> if mm -hmm. they don't enjoy uh, writing because there is, you know, a bit of writing in graduate school. Sure. I think that's also kind of a surprise in the counseling field, how much writing there is. Um, yeah. And I think, and students have to be serious about their work. You know, one of the differences I noticed between uh, graduate and undergraduate courses that I've taught uh, is that graduate students, they don't miss class. That There's right. just never, a, you know, a miss of class. They don't turn in assignments late or ask to turn in assignments late. There's just a seriousness about mm -hmm you know, getting in there and getting the thing and studying the, what I want, uh, you know, to, for the outcome. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it, again, it helps if you have, and again, one of the, the beautiful things about our profession is that you can have that clinical experience before getting a graduate degree. You know, we are, as mm -hmm. far as I know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. We are the only profession in which you can have some type of a counseling license, provide counseling, provide treatment without a master's degree absolutely you, know, you can't you can't be any other type of account um mm -hmm. there might be some exceptions maybe with social work or something but i mean you can become an lcdc with a without a master's degree have that experience and or even if you're just starting you're as a ci because many students i know are cis they're working professionally mm -hmm. and they're in the graduate school so yeah they've got one that, i think profession. that's a great thing too mm -hmm. i mean i think they're getting to understand things theoretically and hands-on i think that's fantastic right and I, i'd like to even appeal to some that are uh, you know uh, working in the profession and maybe they already have their lcdc mm -hmm. and hadn't thought about graduate school but yeah. I mean, what an asset they would be to their field or to a, a, a administrator position if they decided to go ahead and pursue a graduate degree. Yeah, yeah, it is just gonna—it's just gonna open up doors. If anything, it's just gonna—it's gonna make you a better counselor. I feel it's gonna mm -hmm. make you a better I think clinician. So, so, um, I think so. so you mentioned presenting professionally. That's that's great because I mean because of the timing of this, um, I have an episode that's not up yet, but we'll be with a student who presented at a TAP conference. And that's something I think we need to encourage as faculty. I encourage my uh, undergraduate students, let's work on a proposal on a course I'm involved, I'll, I'll mentor and, and guide and develop. But yeah, I mean, just go for it. Just submit a proposal. Um, mm -hmm. And it's time right now you can for this year's TAP conference as it's being planned, you can submit a proposal, work with the faculty, work with a professor, get in touch. And even if you don't know how to start, just mm -hmm. say something, bring something up. Um, again, I'm willing to do that. Uh, but, you know, and it's, it's not terrible. And if anything, you, no, you'll have and that I experience. think it can be intimidating. Mm -hmm. It can be intimidating to think of yourself among uh, the professionals that are already in the field. But I can't stress enough how much we want students involved we want yeah. I mean they're like the next generation they are who will hand the field off to when we leave uh -huh. and we want to know them and we want them to be a part of what we're doing at TAP yeah so Paul so 
kind of the opposite side of the coin. What have you seen that are particularly like unique challenges to students who have just studied addiction studies and, and trying to get into a graduate program or in a graduate program for something like, you know, more mental health counseling or rehabilitation counseling? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think obviously the opposite of everything that I said, you know, to make you successful, but also sometimes non-traditional students, older uh, mm -hmm. age-wise students who come into the program tell me that they haven't used all the advanced technologies, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as, as some of the younger students mm -hmm. that we use in higher education. They're unfamiliar with some of it, but most tell me they get the hang of it after a semester or two. So I wouldn't want anyone to feel like they should not go to graduate school because of so much that we do online now or, uh, you know, with a computer now. Uh, I also see students struggle with their personal personal issues that they haven't dealt with when they're, yeah, okay. you know, the students who are still kind of raw and unhealed. And I see them struggle with that in graduate school a little more than undergrad. And mm -hmm. I guess probably because in graduate school, you know, we're specifically focused on counseling and helping profession kind of topics. And in graduates, I mean, in undergrad, you're uh, typically kind of taking a more diverse uh, course load. Mm -hmm. And there's... Um, uh, there's, it's such a small group in the classes in grad school. I think you don't, can't really hide anymore, you know, you're in right. there. And so if you're not working or willing to work on your things, I, I see that also kind of come up as an issue for some grad students. True, true. And I kind of, yeah, kind of what we mentioned, or I think we talked about this right before we started recording. With graduate school, if if there's ever, I wouldn't say doubt, but a hint that you might not be fully committed or, or fully ready to take it, you know, then then don't, you know, there's, you're not on anyone's schedule as far as how you mm -hmm. develop professionally or with school, you know, you might have, you know, financial or, or whatever other life commitments or responsibilities, but you're not, I mean, you'll get done when you get done, but don't commit to it if mm -hmm. you're not completely ready for, for everything that comes with it. And completely. That, those, you know, 10, 15, 20 page papers and stuff that I know a lot mm -hmm. of students struggle with. And, and yeah, you know, because addictions studies is in, at the undergraduate level, it's great. You love it. You'll, you know, you'll do anything to learn. But then once you get to a more general rehab or mental health program, um, yeah, yeah, it's challenging. It is. So, and I think you just, why take on that stress if you aren't ready? Yeah. So last thing here, what advice would you give students from what you've seen, from what you've experienced with the students who, who really succeed? What advice would you give students that are trying to jump from addiction studies to a graduate program? Yeah. There are several things that uh, I recommend to my undergraduate students all the time. And one of them is mentoring and networking. Mm -hmm. You know, look for a mentor in the profession and attend events to build your network meetings yeah. and conferences, you know, like the ones we talked about with TAP. Mm -hmm. uh, there are so many educational pieces that are amazing that the, those conferences offer, but the primary benefit is the networking among the participants, I think, for, you know, a student. Yeah. And students are welcome. Sometimes they're even free. Sometimes you can volunteer. Uh, you know, um, which kind of leads me to my next one, and that is volunteering. Yeah. If you are like in an undergraduate degree and uh, you're like looking toward a, a graduate program, take the opportunity to volunteer, uh, 
become a member of a student organization. Right. Don't do that just motivated by the fact that you can put it on your, you know, resume for graduate school, but graduate right. schools like to see a little bit of, you know, involvement and community mm -hmm. involvement in their, uh, in their applicants. Um, right. Another one, you know, I mentioned earlier about personal work, you know, everybody has personal issues. And maybe if you're going to go to work with computers, you might not have to, uh, you know, you can kind of avoid those issues surfacing, but in the addiction counseling profession, you know, we don't have that luxury. Our clients are going to trigger some of our personal issues and we don't have to yeah. be healed from those. We just have to be willing to be aware and, and willing to work on them as they come up. If we're not, you know, already working on them. I just, I, I find that to be such a big deal because none of us want to harm a client and mm -hmm. personal issues can uh, yeah. dramatically harm a client if we're not aware of them and dealing with them. And I guess the last thing is pre-planning for your for professionalism. And uh, the way that I think of that is can sound kind of unnecessary to students when I say it, but I think it's extremely important is, is to begin thinking about your professional reputation and your image before you even start your career. You know, wow. think about what you're posting on social media and how that can influence a potential employer or how you spend your leisure time. You know, mm -hmm. think about any kind of unhealthy activities that you participate in that might impact your ability to, you know, obtain or maintain gainful employment. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like I said earlier, their employment opportunities are big, but the profession is, is a small and we're kind of a community. And so our professional reputation is just really important. That's a great point. I never thought about that. Yeah, that's that's really important. You know, it, just because you're in a graduate program doesn't mean that you're a professional um, mm -hmm. or, or, or truly developed yeah. as a professional. That's true. Good point. Yeah. And I had a student ask me once in class, she said, well, you know, don't I have a right to privacy? You know, what I do in my free time? Yeah, we all we, we have a right to privacy. But when we're counselors, we give up some of that. Mm -hmm. You know, what we do in public, you know, part of our license says that we're, you know, we're, uh, can't remember right. the wording, but something like we're worthy of we public uh, respect. Right. And we represent the profession. Um, and if if you're a C, even if you're a CI an LCDCI, that are that code of ethics and, and everything that applies to you as a CI as well, just as it does for anyone who's fully licensed. So even at the CI level, yeah, you you've got to conduct yourself much more professionally than than yeah. say as as Absolutely. just a typical student. Yeah, great, Paula. This has been great. Yeah. This has been great, great. Um, just a lot, another thing I want to throw out I'm there. Glad I know to be here. I know the classroom, there's my advice. I know classrooms have changed, uh, but coming from, so, you know, I graduated from UT and you, as a, an undergraduate student, you can get away with being, you know, quiet and introvert and stuff. You can, you, mm -hmm. you'll graduate, you'll do well, but then going from something, you know, a class size at UT to going into a graduate program with eight other students in a class and, you know, with a fully tenured professor and it's, you know, you can't be much of an introvert, which goes back to what you suggested, networking, putting yourself really out there, um, getting to know others and, and, and working with others. Um, oh no, did you freeze? Can you still hear me? 
There you go. Now I do. You were frozen for a moment. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm going to have to work around that. But anyway, so let's go ahead and wrap it up because um, I want to give you a chance to share anything you're, you've been working on lately, anything, and, and where if people want to reach out to you, even if they're students, even if they're not, you and, oh, no. No, 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 no. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, you, you just unfroze again. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Again, I think that was on my end. But okay. So anything that you would like to share with uh, anyone listening, as far as projects you've been working on, and if they so choose, they would like to maybe reach out to you, even if they're not UNT students, where can they find you? The um, okay, can you hear me okay right now? Yes, I can hear okay. you. Okay, we might fantastic. Be our um, uh, one of the things is uh, I'm involved with um, uh, UNT's recovery to practice, and that that's something that originally it was funded by a hog grant, but th then it was picked up and now is funded by the South Southwest Addiction Technology Transfer Center, ATTC. And one of the things we have that's pretty amazing is a virtual community. We operate that off of Facebook. And so if anyone wanted to join that, um, they could go on Facebook and look for UNT RTP. Uh, they just have to answer three questions and they can become a member. And it's a way to connect with people all over the world who are in um, addiction, the addiction profession. Some people are in recovery. Some people are peer recovery support specialists, just anybody with an interest uh, in um, in addiction and recovery. And then, of course, I'm so excited that this fall we are starting at UNT an addiction studies major. So a student now, in the past, you would could get a minor in addiction studies right. or a certificate in addiction studies. Now you can get a full undergraduate degree in addiction studies at UNT. And we are like just over the moon about that starting. Yeah. Talk about some of the work that you put behind that. Cause I know, because we did that as well. And I went through all those hoops and, and, and whatnot. So talk about some of the work that you Boy, did. Behind yeah. That. I didn't even did. know how much work there would be, <laughs> you know, we mm -hmm. started looking at this like five years ago and we've only now kind of got yeah. it off the ground. Cause there's that much planning to do. Uh, but yeah. we have developed new courses. Um, we right. are, uh, looking currently for a couple of good adjuncts and then mm -hmm. in the future looking you know once all the covid issues kind of iron themselves out looking maybe to hire new faculty for that program um, we have gone through all of our courses and kind of updated them and made sure as a as a faculty we are uh, you know par parallel and and complementing one another you know maybe not teaching something in one course that we teach in another or right. making sure that we kind of overlap and entwine, uh, mm -hmm. you know, our, our program. Uh, we're real serious about current uh, and um, appropriate language related to addiction. So right. we we're all on the same page there. And um, we, um, we are, looking with at other programs you know to mm. uh, uh, recommend strong upper electives for students uh, uh, and um we are also we also are in the process of having 
we're only on, we're on our last course now, but all of our courses will be able to be offered online and on campus. We have right. group counseling is still an on campus uh, mm -hmm. class and we're working to find some ways around that because we have people from out of state even who want the degree. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be able to offer that. And just for flexibility, we try to teach a class on campus one semester and the next right. semester teach it one on teach it online. So people can choose how they, you know, plan yeah. their schedule. So because we do have some working adults, non-traditional students who would prefer to yeah. be able to work at two in the morning, you know, yeah. instead of at the time a, a class might meet. Sure. So celebrate, um, celebrate it, and then uh, get ready for the work because it, it comes right up, right immediately after. So. Oh boy, and I'll have That's to great. get some of your input. We developed a professionalism and ethics class, mm -hmm. and it won't launch until spring. But I'm looking for anyone to give me some information about that because I've I've not seen an undergraduate class like nope. that before. I've seen them in graduate school, nope. but I'm very right. excited about that. And yeah, and the entire again, I'm I'm sure that you designed it with the thought that somebody could complete an entire bachelor's so, so they won't need to have a professionalism in graduate school because you can just get your bachelor's degree and become an lcdc and that's absolutely and yeah that that's much needed yeah throwing something about uh supervision in there also oh, just a free tip goodness yes do you know that i think all the time like one of the things i've seen in all these facilities i've worked is people who are really good counselors mm -hmm. uh, to be rewarded they'll often get uh you know like a career advancement and get put into a supervision position but yeah. they don't know how to be a supervisor and then they yeah. fail at that yeah. job yeah I've had and that people reward. don't understand why you know yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So awesome. This is this is great news. This is great news. Again, we're growing. Our profession is growing, and and gosh, this is this is something to great, something to be a great part of, Paula. Um, I think so. Do you want to give spe a specific email or or what's your UNT email? How about that? My UNT email is my whole name. It's Paula P A U L A dot Heller H E L L E R dash garland g-a-r-l-a-n-d at unt.edu and Great. feel free to reach out to me i will uh, meet with you on uh, via zoom uh, in mm -hmm. person whatever you need in person in beginning in the fall um, whatever you need and uh, we can communicate just by email or telephone if you'd rather do it that way paula um this has been a joy thank you so much thank for you taking so much time for asking me i really yeah. appreciate that we went a little bit over but this is great stuff this is great stuff so thank you very much paula i will put your information in the, the episode description so people can contact you if you need anything so thanks i appreciate it